you know, people always ask me, it's NFL playoffs, it's the national championship. You know, who am I rooting for now that my teams are out? The fuck do I need to root for another team for? I don't give a shit. You know who you've tuned into. We petty for a reason. I don't give a shit about all these teams. The only team that hasn't let me down, Team Snacks, baby. They never let me down. You know, thanks to Jerry Jones, I've been on Team Snacks since around 1995. (laughs) There's no end in sight, so if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Congratulations, you played yourself. Be right back after this ad. Welcome back to another edition of the number one podcast in your headphones, Prem Brulee. That's right. Don't ever get it twisted. Don't ever play yourselves. I'm your host, Premal Bot of the Play Call Network. We still back, still spicy, still Team Petty. Without further ado, let's get going on Yeah Fam or Not. First up, Luke Keekley shockingly making the announcement to retire. The 28-year-old spent eight years as a Carolina Panther. He's a seven-time pro bowler. Uh, the 2013 Defensive Player of the Year. The Panthers account, and he posted a video, a couple excerpts from that video. Quote, there's only one way to play this game since I was a little kid. Play fast, play physical, and play strong. And at this point, I don't know if I'm able to do that anymore. That's the part that is the most difficult. Keekly continued, I still want to play, but I don't think it's the right decision. End quote. So he doesn't divulge why he doesn't feel he can play fast, physical, and strong, or why it's not the right decision, but we're assuming it has to do with Listen, you son of a bitch. What the fuck's your problem? His future health, obviously. It's the only reason you'd retire early, I would think. Um, Keekly between 2015 and 2017, missed seven games due to concussions. Um, he also wore the... Um, experimental pad that was thought to reduce concussions that he's wore recently weird day for panthers fans they made a great hire in their new offensive coordinator being joe brady the passing game coordinator for lsu a very big cog in their machine that led them to a national championship will now be working for matt rule in carolina um but unfortunately their star linebacker retiring early will probably overshadow that. I'm a yeah fan to this. Uh, I know it sucks for Panthers fans, but I'm always a fan of a player walking away on his own terms, um, especially with how violent that sport is. You can't fault the guy for stepping away when he does. So while CT is still a mystery, anything you can do to prevent it, you should. And if he doesn't feel he can play up to the standard that he set for himself, um, I can't hate on that been a phenomenal player flies all over the field even tons of interceptions as a linebacker um it'll be a shame to not see him suited up okay i mentioned lsu a little earlier but yeah fam or not joe burrow had the best college football season ever burrow set the record for most touchdowns responsible for um also set the record for most touchdown passes in a season 60 he won the heisman trophy He led LSU to an undefeated season and a national championship. That is a feat that is not common at all. Um, Most recently, that accomplishment was made by Jameis Winston in 2013, Cam Newton in 2010, um, I think Matt Leinart in 2004. 
Um, so it's very limited class to be in. As for the headline, did Burrow have the best college football season ever? The only other one that would come to mind would be Cam Newton's 2010 season for Auburn. That team was nothing without him. But I have to go with the FM to this. Joe Burrow helped mold LSU into a spread offense into totally changing their identity. He made throws that no LSU quarterback in history has made before. He might have changed the whole tide of their program. Yes, there were coaches and other players and tons of skill players around him, a great offensive line, but by most metrics, LSU might have been the best team of all time, and they were led by their quarterback and Heisman Trophy winner. He won for a reason. Um, yes, it might be recency bias, but I'm a yeah fam to this. He set so many records for a reason, and yes, Cam Newton was the only reason Auburn won, but so was Burrow. All right. Over to Major League Baseball, I don't, I guess there hasn't been too much news lately. So, the Astros' punishment, of course, was handed down for their sign-stealing scandal. It's all the news in MLB. The punishment included general manager Jeff Lunau and manager A.J. Hinch suspended for one year. Um, This was after an MLB investigation found the team used technology to cheat during its World Series winning 2017 season. Um, Additionally, the MLB fined the Astros $5 million and took away their first and second round picks in the 2020 MLB draft and the 2021 MLB draft. So four picks total. Instead of serving the suspensions, uh, Astros owner Jim Crane elected to fire both Lunau and Hinch. In anticipation of penalties coming up for Red Sox manager, former coach of the Astros, Alex Cora, the Red Sox chose to fire Cora, or they use the language mutually parted ways. (laughs) You and I both know what that means. Cora was thought to have even bigger of a part in this uh, sign-stealing scandal. Was this punishment? The suspensions of now-fired GM and manager forfeiture of four MLB draft picks, first and second round picks, and a $5 million fine. (laughs) Gaffin Renata, the punishment, was it too harsh, too lenient? Was firing the right move? You know, I thought long and hard about this. Because you already know what my inclination is. You're... I mean, sound it in advance. Petty alert, petty alert, petty alert. But I couldn't have said it better than my brother Vish at the VHB if you're trying to follow the squad. He tweeted the following. I'll say this. Number one, what the Astros did was wrong, flat out. Number two, I get that you want to throw an asterisk by their title. Go ahead. Number three, you can't take away what that season meant for that city and communicate. Meant for that city and community. Hurricane Harvey took a lot. Astros brought hope and a reason to believe. Number four, 
there is no way in hell the Astros were and are the first and innovators in using technology this way. The team and fans will suffer the consequences, but if sports has taught me one thing, just be careful as you point the finger. Number 5. It sucks that this will forever tarnish Hinch and Lunau, that this is how they'll be remembered. Number 6. Again, not arguing against what the Astros were caught doing, it was and remains wrong. End tweet. Um, this was from baseball statistician and analyst Ryan Spader. Um, he's found at, at the Ace of Spader. Um, he said this in response to a tweet that said, no other teams came close to what the Astros did. So, in response, Spader said, Some did far more. This is not organic to Houston that was su- suddenly invented and implemented in 2017. Rather, a growing learned system brought to the Astros that had been developing in baseball since the mid-2000s. End tweet. So, in addition to those, those couple tweets there, couple of things for you to think about you know if and when this comes out that it wasn't just the Astros it wasn't just a unilateral decision they thought of out of thin air I'm taking notes taking notes on all y'all I'll talk to you then you know I'm choosing my words wisely how I present all these things You know, my brother said, be careful as you point the finger. My brother's much nicer than I am. We are taking notes. Don't ever get it twisted. Sound it. Heavy alert. Heavy alert. Heavy alert. About that. Big trust. I'm making notes. I've seen them all, baby. I see all you. All you big Trevor Bauer fans. All right. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. I'm sure every single other team is innocent. You're right. No, you're right. Congratulations. You played yourself. Listen, I'm well aware any team would trade these penalties for a World Series ring. I'm well aware of that. I know most people wanted the title stripped for the record. Just because it's not my team, I still wouldn't have. But I get it. I can accept it. Just like you have to accept that you may put that asterisk on, but I'm just over here sipping from my World Series championship glass. Just the same. No, the penalty wasn't too harsh. $5 million is nothing. Draft picks are nothing for an already good Astros team. And they fired the people that would have been suspended. So what are we at here? I get all that. So I guess I'm a yeah fam. The Astros are still... 2017 World Series champs? You hate to see it. I love to see it. (laughs) You love to be pouring it on. I'll hate to see it when I have to bring up these notes I've been taking. (laughs) Alright, let's move on to Likey No Likey Hate It. First up, Likey to the WNBA. They reached a new collective bargaining agreement. I believe it covers eight seasons. This agreement has raised average salaries to six figures for the first time. It improved travel and marketing opportunities. Um, In addition to other things, 
they are f- going to be paying their players full salary while they're on maternity leave. I mean, how can you not love this? About fucking time. It was outrageous to me when I found out that they didn't get anything for maternity leave as professional athletes. Crazy. No Likey goes to Ohio State Hoops doing their annual losing streak. Um, So the Buckeyes had an impressive resume to start the year. Um, They rose up as high as number two overall in the AP poll. Um, They then proceeded in late December, early January to lose four in a row, including losses at Minnesota, at home against Wisconsin, and at Indiana, um, before finally ending their losing streak against Nebraska at home. I don't know why this has to happen every year. They start off so well and surprise a lot of folks and then just shit the bed as we cross into a new year. I don't know why this is a short trend in Chris Holtman's coaching tenure, but I would prefer it not happen. The Ohio State guards are shooting some god-awful percentages, um, including an awful percentage even close to the hoop layups and dunks. It seems like they blow a fast break or miss a dunk or layup every single game. I'm no expert, but if you don't make the gimme shots, the other ones aren't going to come any easier. All you experts on your high horse, maybe you can tell me, since you're all the analysts. All right, back to Likey. Likey goes to Pro Football Hall of Fame president David Baker, surprising Bill Cower and Jimmy Johnson on their respective NFL playoff TV sets uh, to let them know that they made the NFL Hall of Fame. That was freaking incredible. We want more of that. I want to see people being surprised like like it's an episode of Punked. I know some of these guys are older, so maybe you don't want to do that. But what it do, baby? I would love this style show. Sign me up. So Johnson and Cower are part of the Hall of Fame special centennial class. Um, obviously, we all know from the ads and the emblems. The NFL celebrated their 100th year, um, and they're doing so with the special class, a bigger Hall of Fame class. But the way they announced these, the way David Baker surprised the two of them, uh, made for incredibly raw, touching emotion. Um, Coward teared up. He had his wife and daughter there, immediately went to go hug them. Um, The following day on Fox, Jimmy Johnson was surprised. He got so choked up he could barely talk. Then immediately showed his class, thanking his coaches and players. Um, and then some genius, some actual, like not sarcastic, but real genius, panned over to Troy Aikman watching his former coach get this announcement and tearing up. I mean, onions and dust. Um, this also brings me to my hate it. Um, did you know that Jimmy Johnson was named to the Hall of Fame before being named to the Cowboys Ring of Honor? Listen, you son of a bitch. What the fuck's your problem? Think about how how outrageous. So I know this is a different sport, but Chris Bosh already has his number retired for the Heat. Dwayne Wade's getting his soon. The idea that um, a coach who won the franchise two Super Bowls is not in the Ring of Honor is outrageous. And why, you ask? You know, what other reason would it be for someone like Jerry Jones besides that he has some grudge against Jimmy Johnson? This dumbass, egotistical, grudge-holding owner, Jerry Jones, can't add this 
legendary Cowboys coach to their ring of honor. I'm petty, but he's not on the team. This this isn't what we're talking about. It's absolutely absurd. If it gives you an idea of why Cowboys fans hate him for being in charge, this man couldn't stand by while people gave credit to Johnson for assembling the Cowboys dynasty of the 90s. And he's still holding a grudge for it. Johnson won Super Bowls 27 and 28. Um, These were in 92 and 93, respectively. Um, Johnson and Jones decided to part ways um, due to this feud for who's getting credit for this dynasty. Um, Two years later, Barry Switzer, who took over for Johnson, coached 70% of Jimmy Johnson's lineup to another Super Bowl victory in Super Bowl Thirty. I think it's time we start talking about the Jerry Jones curse because ever since then, the Cowboys have not even made the NFC Championship. So um, maybe he needs to lift this curse and put Jimmy Johnson finally in the ring of honor. That way, maybe I don't have to permanently be on Team Snacks for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, Joker, welcome back to the pod. Congratulations. That's right. It's time for You Played Yourself. And first up... You Played Yourself. University of Houston quarterback De'Aaron King entered the transfer portal. No big deal, right? We see people transferring all the time. I mean, half of Stanford's roster is in the transfer portal. (laughs) Well, if you remember, the Cougs actively, despite what they said publicly, decided to tank the season and redshirted King after four games. He and head coach Dana Holgerson maintained that the plan was to have King back for his redshirt senior season. Guess not. Uh, Oklahoma, here we come. Um, King is no no small name either. He's put up really gaudy numbers as Houston's quarterback, so he'll be um, highly sought after, by the way. Um, next up on You Played Yourself, the number one seed and best team in the NFL, the Baltimore Ravens, lost to the number six seed, Tennessee Titans, 28-12 in the divisional round. You played yourself. You absolutely played yourself. Everybody assumed they were going to breeze through, perhaps to the Super Bowl. Guess you overlooked Ryan Tannehill and the Titans. Guess you overlooked Mike Vrabel, his mustache, and the Titans. What it do, baby? And by the way, you freaking idiots, no, this isn't grounds to doubt Lamar Jackson or his MVP candidacy. The dude had 365 yards passing, 143 yards rushing. Yes, it's okay to rip the Ravens after dominating all year, but just fucking save it. Uh, Speaking of which, the Tennessee Titans wide receiver Tajay Sharp mocked the Ravens' Big Trust post-game press conference when introducing Derrick Henry. You played yourself, Ravens. Sound it. Because you already know it's about to be approved. Petty alert. Petty alert. Petty alert. All right, you knew it was coming. You played yourself. To the Houston Texans. The Texans were up 24 to nothing. They end up being outscored 51 to 7. They lost 51 to 31. Um, Their You Played Yourself examples consist of the following. Uh, They don't go for it on fourth and short. 
um, in the red zone while up 21 to nothing, chance to maybe put away the game. But they do, in fact, go for a fake punt in their own territory that gets sniffed out. Listen, you son of a bitch. What the fuck's your problem? First of all, why and what the fuck? Second, why didn't Justin Reed check out of that fake? I mean, they flat out showed the punter angle and Justin Reed was pacing back and forth as the Chiefs linebacker shadowed him, knowing that he was anticipating or ready for a fake. Why wouldn't you check out of that? Third, the Houston Astros just totally had the most hold my beer moment ever. So, guess you skate by, Bill O'Brien. Just watch as you're skating by. His face ass might get you. All right. You played yourself. Goes to the Clemson Tigers. I mean, you shouldn't be surprised at this one, right? A defensive player ejected for targeting? A touchdown called back? You just hate to see it. You absolutely hate to see it. By the way, regarding that targeting, yes, there needs to be a new rule. We knew that last time. In that Fiesta Bowl, right? Not everybody wanted to talk about that, right? All right. But if we're, as long as we're comparing them, Clemson's linebacker James Skowski's ejection was worse than the one that cost Sean Wade his game and the Buckeyes their momentum. Sure, Higgins' offensive pass interference, questionable. Do we care? Do we fucking care about a touchdown being called back, huh? Are we supposed to? Petty alert, petty alert, petty alert. Dabo's probably going to claim the referee's Nobody wanted them to win. And he'll be absolutely correct. Because go fuck yourself. Last but not least. You played yourself. I honestly didn't think I'd have to reiterate this. I thought I drove my point. I thought I drove my point home very clearly last episode. But the national championship brought up some bitter feelings in Buckeye fans. um, Who thought they should have been playing LSU. And probably would have played them tougher, which they would have. Here's what I'll say. It's okay to be a fan and complain about officiating. It's called being a fan. Short for fanatic. We're not paid, and we won't get fined for criticizing them, especially when they do a bad fucking job. I will never be over the officiating in the Fiesta Bowl that cost... Ohio State a chance at a national championship in the 2019-2020 season. And nobody needs to fucking be over it. It'll always suck. If you're a fan, it'll always suck. If you're a fan, that is. But there's levels to this shit. I've explained it. I don't consider you on the same level as me. About that. Big trust. If you're already over it, or if you're saying there's plenty more game, there's levels to this shit. I don't appreciate you being grouped with me. It will never not suck. Never. You don't have to be okay. You don't. Don't let any, quote, fan tell you to get over it. If they tell you to get over it, have them show you their press credentials, because that's the only way I could see around that. Perhaps you won't see their press credentials from the fucking high horse they're mounted on, so make sure they get down to your level, right? 
before they do that. Congratulations, you played yourself. All right, time for who you got, what you feeling. Last week, I made playoff picks. I made my pick for the national championship. It was number one LSU and number three with an asterisk, Clemson from New Orleans. LSU is five and a half point favorites. What the fuck ever. I picked LSU. I was right. They won 42-25 behind Joe Burrow's six total touchdowns, five through the air, one on the ground. Um, It was Trevor Lawrence's first collegiate loss. You absolutely hate to see it. Sunshine. The NFL playoffs, I made my picks for who I thought would win in the division round and make the championship round. Um, I went with the top two seeds in, in both the AFC and NFC. I was correct in the NFC because it is... Green Bay at San Francisco, the top two seeds. Um, but in the AFC, the Titans had other plans because they totally upset the Ravens. Um, and it wasn't even that close, 28-12. to 12. They, as a sixth seed, travel to number two seed, Kansas City Chiefs. The Titans have a chance to buck the trend that is the top two seeds being represented in the Super Bowl, so guess we'll find out. This week, as predicted, nice little segue, keeping it simple. The NFC and AFC Championship, who do I see winning? Who will represent the AFC and NFC and Super Bowl 54 in Miami? I am going with San Francisco out of the NFC Um I know this game won't be as much of a blood as a regular season matchup where Rodgers barely reached 100 yards passing, um, but I am going with defense here. As for the AFC, I am going with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I think the Titans' crazy run ends here, especially after the Chiefs were down 24 nothing, came back in spectacular fashion. I think they're firing on all cylinders. So my Super Bowl 54 is Niners-Chiefs. And we'll see if I'm right. As for what I'm feeling, Oscar nominations are out. Since football's been dead, my wife and I are on the hunt to see all the Best Picture nominees. We've done it the last few years. Love having an investment in the Oscars. Uh, Makes me see movies I ordinarily wouldn't. Um, For example, saw the Korean film Parasite, which is nominated for Best Picture. It is a fantastic film. A very unique plot. Highly recommend it. For my too much sense. I think it's very poignant for what I brought up earlier. My too much sense, on an actual serious note, is to watch what you say. You never know when it's going to come back around. I'm a firm believer in karma. So when you use a moment, if someone in particular is down, even if they're not down, but you use a moment to bring them down, Don't expect them to show any mercy, any courtesy when something like that happens to you. You Get out what you put in. So watch what you say, when you say it, how you say it. Because people might just find themselves enjoying it when the tables are turned. And that does it for another edition of the number one podcast in your headphones, Prem Brulee. Do not ever get it twisted. Do not ever play yourself. I've been your host, Premobot, at the Play Call Network. You know the spiel. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Subscribe, rate, 
review, all that good stuff. I greatly appreciate all the support. Please check out all the other Play Call Network podcasts, and we will talk to you next time.